Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today is our third and final episode of our series with Northside Hospital, and I am going to bring in Dr. Sujatha Reddy into this conversation. Dr. Reddy has been my doctor for over a decade, and I wanted to talk to her because her practice at Northside is a practice of all women, and since she's a GYN, all of her patients are women too. So not only is she a woman, she spent the pandemic knee-deep in taking care of women. On top of that, she's a mom, and she lives with her aging parents. And when I asked Northside if I could talk to a doctor, um, they mentioned Dr. Reddy, and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah yes, please let me talk to her Um, because she and I have been through so much together and I respect her so much and she is so kind and so compassionate and so full of knowledge and passionate about women's care. I can't thank you enough for listening to the series and for sharing it with the other women in your life. And please, please, just because the series is over and we're not going to be making new episodes, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep sharing them because this is just the start of the conversation that's going to keep touching other people. So I encourage you to keep sharing these episodes and spreading the talk about this very important message. If you're looking for resources about women's health or about mental health. Northside has put together a great page all about the Talk About It campaign and places and resources to get access to mental health and things of that nature. Go to talkaboutit.callieandjeff.com. I also want to thank Northside for trusting me with this incredibly important topic. All of my doctors are at Northside. I chose to have my daughter at Northside, and it feels like family to me. And I know to so many of you as well, whether you're in the Atlanta area, you once were, or you have just heard of it because it is a huge hospital in the Southeast known for its incredible care. This has really been an honor for me, and I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And I hope that you found it helpful and that you feel less alone and open up to talk to other people about it or just to process it yourself. Okay. So without further ado, let's talk about it. The upside means living in gratitude, finding the positive in every experience and helping other people do the same. You are now part of the movement. Welcome to a bonus episode of The Upside, presented exclusively by Northside Hospital. I'm Sujatha Reddy. I'm a mom, first and foremost, to a lovely five-year-old little boy. I'm a gynecologist at Premier Care for Women, which is part of Northside Hospital. When you found out as a mom, as, you know, as someone that works, as someone that is part of a practice and has so many female coworkers, What was that like for you? What was the experience of finding out, oh, wait, this actually is really serious and we're going to have to change a lot of things. And what about, you know, like my kid, am I going to have to make changes? What was that like for you personally? Yeah. You know, it was really, um, 
in a way overwhelming, to be honest, because it was so much new information leading to new situations that we'd never been in professionally and personally. You know, we've, we, we understand viral illness. We, you know, have the history. We've, we've all studied the epidemics of the past, but we've never dealt with anything like this. So, you know, as a physician, as a mom, as a daughter, because my elderly parents live with me, they help me mm-hmm. with my son. It was really a lot. Um, and, you know, I know the word overwhelming gets thrown around a lot, but I think it's important for people to understand that even knowing all that I know, I really did feel some days overwhelmed by how serious this was, how it required so many different moving parts and changes on every aspect of my life. So, you know, we heard about it initially. And I remember um, when I did an interview with Channel 11 about it early, like in January, December. And at that time, it hadn't been here. We didn't know a lot. And I remember telling people, I'm more worried about the flu right now. Well, boy, that quickly evolved and changed, <laughs> right. right? So, but early on, that's what we we didn't know the extent of what we were dealing with because we've never dealt with anything like that. So, you know, I think my reactions were just like everybody else's. It was kind of like, wow, OMG, what are we gonna do? And and we just put everything in place and slowly, slowly, you know got everything that we needed to do done. And I think we did it well at our office. I tried to do the best I could at home, but it was a lot. And I think, you know, I'm so happy that we're doing this whole campaign because I think for women, you know, I think it was a lot for everybody, but for women and especially for working moms, it was you know, even more of a thing than for other people dealing with the pandemic. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about, you know, not to minimize anything that anybody else has been through, but it's different for women because I think we have this internal biological thing of like, we can do it all. We can do it all. We can fix it all. We can act like everything's fine. And even if we're not, I don't know where we got this thing that we're expected to know what to do and how to handle all this, but we don't. Like we're right. We don't know. Right. And none of us know. No, and we didn't know either as doctors, as mothers in the office. It was um, it was all new to us too. And and you're right, there is that sort of overwhelming need for women to just take it all and I can do it all and, you know, be good at it all and everything has to be perfect. And, you know, I don't need any help. And I, you know, and I think that's something that this pandemic really brought to the surface is that, you know, we really can't do it all. We don't have to, and we shouldn't. And it is absolutely necessary and okay. And a sign of, I think, strength when you say, okay, I need a break. I need help. This isn't working. And and just, you know, really the most important thing I think I've realized and I've been trying to tell friends and patients and myself is you have to find time for yourself. That term self-care has been thrown around so much, but I think it is important. And whatever that term means to you, whether it's 40 minutes of cardio on the treadmill, it's going for a walk, it's taking your book and hiding in the closet and reading for a few minutes, whatever it is, you've got to 
to take care of yourself, find that mental peace, or you can't keep going and doing everything that we've all been doing. And, you know, it's incredible when I talk to women that have, you know, been working from home, taking care of online learning for several children, cooking meals for not only themselves, the spouse, the the children, three meals a day now, not just a dinner, but now we're doing all this. You turn the dishwasher on three times a day. You know, you're trying to order groceries three times a week. I mean, it is um, incredible what the burdens have been and how everyone just kept doing, kept going, just kept doing it because you had to, or you thought you had to. And, you know, I think we're finally able to express to people that, listen, it's okay. You need to take a break, stop, do what you need to do to take care of yourself. And I think people, I used to kind of, self-care gets tossed around so much, like you said, that I think we lost sight of, or at least I did, of what that means. Like I used to think, oh, self-care, I'll go get a manicure. And I started thinking about it more. I'm like, I actually don't enjoy that time. Like, why am I doing that? That might be self-care for somebody else. But I think anything, just because you read it somewhere or just because you heard it from one of us doesn't mean that that is what is going to be good for you. Like you have to kind of, it sounds silly, but almost do like some soul searching and say, okay, I feel a release when I do Whatever it is. And exactly it could be right. like, you know, I don't know, bowling. I don't know, whatever it Exactly is. right. It's different for everybody. That. You're yeah. exactly right. And that's the key is figuring it out. What is it that's going to give you that, you know, reset, that mental peace, that satisfaction that I'm taking care of myself, I'm doing something for myself. And you're exactly right. It's different for everybody. Just like, you know, one exercise, one, you know, healthy eating plan doesn't work for everybody. You've got to find the thing that works for you. And I think this is the same type of thing. And you're right. It may not be a manicure. It may not be a spa thing. That's, you know, what we, I think people used Quote to call unquote, yeah. self-care. Self-care. Now it could be something as simple as, you know, again, going for a walk by yourself or watching you know, your guilty pleasure TV show for 30 minutes with yes. no interruptions. <laughs> it can be something as simple as that. But I think while it may be a simple thing, it's crucial and vital as a caregiver to take care of yourself because otherwise it's virtually impossible to be a good caregiver. Well, and that's true with people, you know, it's true with parents. It's true. Like, um, but also if you're taking care of your parents, you know, like you are, or your parents are older and they're living with you, or even if they're not, you know, we've talked on a couple episodes about, you know, my parents are very healthy, but they're also like my dad's in his seventies and it was more serious for them. So I think also the added worry or pressure on people to, okay, what's healthy for my parents? Like, is it healthier for them to not physically see me because, right. you know, because they could get sick or is it healthier for them to see me because they're alone? A hundred percent. It was so hard to know what to do, right? And waving right. through the window, is that enough? Who knows? Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had that same, you know, that same anxiety a little bit because like my parents live with me so I could take, I could watch them, make sure they were okay. They weren't by themselves, but by the same token, I'm going to work every day. Am I bringing something home to them and to my son? Right. And that was its own stress. You know, I did all the stuff we could do, go quickly change clothes, scrub up, you know, whatever didn't really hug them too much in the yeah. beginning, but it was a little bit more of a stress too. But then in some ways it was good because they were with me. They were right. right there in the same house. They didn't have to go to the store. Like I took care of all that, you know, mm -hmm. anything. I isolated them as much as I could, but yeah, everyone's dealing with it. And I think that's important too, is that we're all been in this. Everyone's situation is different, but again, we've all been in it. We've all been dealing with it. You know, it's something that's 
affected everybody. And that's all the women literally in the world because this was a global pandemic. And I think if you're talking about being literal, I think there are some little tiny communities like offshoots, but they still know people that are impacted. So there's not anyone in the world that wasn't impacted by this. So truly, this might be one of the only times where we can literally say we're all in it together Yes. Because we are yes. across the, whole the world. world. Yes. We're all in it together, navigating this thing for the first time that, you know, most of us have never, ever experienced. Yeah, you know, the last major worldwide pandemic epidemic was the Spanish flu, really. Yeah. And that was, you know, almost 100, over 100 years ago. So, yeah, I mean, 1918 and... You know, it's, and, you know, I hope it's more than 100 years till we ever have to go through this again. <laughs> Me too. Although I do feel strangely more equipped to deal with it now. Yeah. I'm like, you know, not that I would ever want to go through that again, but I feel like there were definitely some good, you know, good lessons and good things that I personally took from it that I, I will keep with me forever. Um Oh, that's going, a really good point, Callie, right? Yeah. There, there, there are going to be things that we're going to take from this that I think are positive changes. There was a lot of negative things that happened with this pandemic, but absolutely there's going to be positive ones too. Like I think some people excelled at working from home, and mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a very good positive for a lot of people. I think we've all sort of realized that, and I shouldn't say, I mean, I, I think for me, and I know talking to some of my friends, and I, I think this is true for a lot of people, life doesn't have to be as hectic as it was pre-pandemic to be fulfilling and satisfying and adequate. You know, I think we are all going to sort of shed the things that we realized didn't really add value that we felt we had to do. Um, I felt one good thing about, you know, some of the slowing down for me was I felt like I wasn't rushing to be late to something all the time. All and the, the time, time, right? And that went away and it was refreshing. <laughs> it, you know, and it's it's funny because that came up in both panels of people saying, I, you know, and I, I said this actually, I think during one of them is that I had no concept of how much time I spend in a rush and trying to get places. Like I'm trying to, you know, go get my hair done or go whatever to an appointment or all this stuff. It's not just that one hour. It's the getting there. It's the getting ready. It's so it's and that's what makes us feel so chronically rushed. And I don't think that's something I'll ever go back and do again. I mean, that has been so nice to just be like, slow down. Exactly. Like, and the world is not going to stop when you slow down. Exactly. Is a hard thing to tell yourself because we all want to believe, hey, the world needs me. It cannot function without me. Right. And But no, it doesn't. The world needs you to be your best you. Yep. And that's how things keep, you know, keep turning. Yeah. Um, going back to your office, you have an all-female practice. And I mean all-female practice, like the <laughs> physicians, but also like the assistants and the office manager. I mean, head to toe, a female business. I'm not asking you to speak on behalf of anyone, but what was the vibe like kind of there? Because you must have people in so many different circumstances there, like single people, people living alone, people living with their parents, people trying to take care of elderly parents or whose parents are across the country yeah. or who are taking care of children. So what was the, like the collective vibe yeah, at the beginning? It was, it was interesting. So you're right. It is a completely 100% female practice. The motto is healthcare for women by women. And, and that absolutely is true in our office. And, you know, the, the vibe was, I think, similar to what it would have been in other offices, except for when you're dealing with all women. Again, there was a lot of other responsibilities that were on every person in that office. 
Um, you know, we took it in stride. We were super careful in the beginning and, uh, you know, did our jobs though. We never shut down the practice. We were open for emergencies and problems. We limited number of providers in the office because we knew that if one person got sick, we didn't want the whole team mm-hmm. to go down. So we sort of channeled how often we were to, we didn't see each other very much because we didn't want to. Right. Um, cause again, we had to sort of do that key man concept that if one doctor was exposed or was sick with COVID and had you don't to, want the whole team out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we really tried to focus that way. But yeah, we were going through the same things. Everything we're going, schools were shut down. A lot of our um, nurses have young kids. So all the kids were home. Even the doctors and the, ch- and the nurses with older children, everybody came home. You know, mm-hmm. one of our partners has kids that work in New York City. They came home. So, I mean, yeah. it was that whole thing, everyone just ending up in the house. And um, it was you know, very different. I think we all kind of enjoyed somehow that like time together. And it was like another positive that came out of this. Mm-hmm. It was kind of what I thought was like stolen time. Um, you know, I think you can relate to this with a yeah. new child. When you're home from maternity leave, you're just in a blur. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you just get from feeding to feeding to diaper change, to diaper change, those two, four months, whatever you get, it just goes by and you have this little adorable lump that you love so much, but has no interaction with you really. It doesn't write anything. So, you know, being home with Krish during that, those days, those extra days that I didn't have to go to the office was, you know, so much fun because now he's a little toddler and he's so much more fun. He's, I guess he was four. He wasn't a toddler. He was like a little boy, but it was so much fun. It was just, I I tried to hang on to that. And it's like, you know, it was like stolen time that was given to me. And again, trying to focus on the positive. It was, it was really special. And I think I'm going to look back at that and just enjoy that. And I know for the other doctors and even the nurses in the office that um, had older children that came home, it was time they didn't expect to have either. Because once you send your kid to college, you'll be lucky they come home for a week, right? (laughs) Right. So here we had kids that were home for semesters. And so, you know, we all tried to focus on the positive, but it was also a very different life, you know, with meals all day long, you know, groceries all day, dishwasher. I mean, it was just, it is so much more work and so much more responsibility. And it was just different. (laughs) I read like, uh, I read a stat and I know I'm not really like a stats person, so I'll make them very generic, but basically the statistic said that more than half of women, um, feel that their mental health was impacted before Corona, like during coronavirus. And that of that half, a fifth of them said that it was very seriously taking a toll on their mental health, which is a lot. Like a fifth is huge. That is a large number of women. Do you feel like from your patients that you're hearing that? Do you feel like your patients are more vocal now about verbalizing like how they feel? Or do you still feel like people are holding back or like how does that – How do you see that? Do you see that in your patients or do you feel like people are still not maybe totally opening up about about what they've been through to their to their doctors or to you. Yeah, no, it's it's really important to talk about. I think, you know, when you're in your doctor's office, it's sort of a space, a, a safe space. I especially for your GYN, right? I kind of the term I've used to describe our relationship with patients as a gynecologist is you're kind of intimate strangers. Yeah. We know everything about you, but you don't see us every day. You might see us once or twice a year, but you're in a safe place. So I think in our office, I think women do open up um, about what they're feeling, but I don't think they do that necessarily outside as much. Although I think programs like what we're doing 
are, it will help because it is okay. And we need to talk about it. Um, and I think the number that you're talking about with women saying that their mental health was affected is absolutely true. And I'm sure it's even more than that because that's severely affected, but how about, you know, moderately affected, minimally affected? I think everyone's mental health was affected by this pandemic. Men, women, children, everyone was affected because it was such a abrupt, rapid change. You know, in our office, I think women did open up to us. I think outside, I hope they're getting to the point where they will or they can. And again, this program and hopefully the whole program of Talk About It will help. And I think that's one thing that the pandemic took away from women was, you know, book club, coffee club, those interactions right, that you girls have. Girls night. Girls night. Yeah. All that went away where you might vent this stuff about what your husband or child did, that all got taken so away. True. And so I think that was one avenue that women need to bring back as we slowly get out of this is go talk to your girlfriends. Cause you know what you'll like, we all love to do. We love to share those mm -hmm. things and go like, Oh my God, my kid does that too. That must be normal. And you need that sometimes. So, you know, one thing that I noticed with patients is they did tell us about it or we had to ask about it sometimes, but we, we did see a lot of people that were dealing with a lot of external life stressors. And, you know, from a medical perspective, I realized this was not the year to make any drastic changes oh, right. for anybody. Right. You know, we didn't talk about, you know, okay, let's get on that exercise schedule, you know, get to a healthy weight. This was as, as important as it is. I did not drum on, you know, harp on that because getting through the day and getting all the stuff done that you needed to do was usually enough. That's your and success. That was right. your success. And so this year, just, you know, make it through without, you know, dropping any of the many billion balls you're juggling. That was good. So we, you know, we, we did, we did talk about this in the office. I think women do open up to us. A lot of our patients we've had for a long time. So I think they feel comfortable and I'm so glad because again, they may have missed all those outlets with, you know, girls night, you right. know, book club, uh, you know, bunko, whatever your thing was that you got to do with your friends, we didn't get to do any of that. And I highly suggest, by the way, I mean, I am talking, I'm going to call myself a lifer because I've been seeing Dr. Reddy since I think I was like <laughs> 23 and I'm 35 now. So like I've been a patient of hers for a really long time. And I do remember, and it wasn't, this is before the pandemic, but I remember you saying to me, and this is the value of kind of like opening yourself up to a doctor that you trust in your life is I, I said something. It was like when we were trying to get pregnant and you looked me in the eye and you said, Callie, you have had a tremendous amount going on this year. You've had also a lot of grief this year. Like you, and just someone saying that it sounds so simple, but it really took me back. Like I, I stood back and kind of like had this out of body thing where I was like, huh, I have had a really, you know, and nobody, yeah. sometimes you don't say that to yourself. So it's nice to hear that validation from someone else. And which is a, a nice reason to open up to your doctor. It doesn't matter who it is. Like you don't have to be sitting in front of a psychologist to say, I don't feel okay. And any, you know, you in theory should get back from your doctor. Okay, well, let's talk about it. If you don't, maybe find someone that's a little <laughs> more like, that doesn't make them a bad doctor. It just makes them maybe not the right one for you. So that is so worth something ex like exploring because especially if you're still not getting those outlets, like it's okay to say, I'm not okay. Yeah. And it's okay to say it to a professional who can say, okay, let's figure this out. Yep. We're going to you know, do it together. And, and there's all these resources that you guys have that you can help us through things if, if you know. 
Absolutely. Um, uh, yep. Right. But if we have, you know, you have to know. You have to know. And if you don't have that relationship with your physician, maybe it's something you talk about with a family or a friend and say, you know, I need help and they can maybe find someone for you or help you through it. You know, you, just sometimes it's just even sharing and venting helps so much. Yeah. So yeah, no. And I, yeah, well, you've been a joy to take care of for all oh, these years. Oh, you're so, so sweet. <laughs> I actually, there is, I would... <laughs> I never thought I would be a person that say that I enjoy going <laughs> to a GYN appointment, but everyone is so nice. And this is what we do. Like right now, we might as well be in your office because this is what we do. Like this we have conversations we yeah. we about all sorts of stuff. Right. Are there any medical repercussions that maybe you're starting to see now um, as a result of the pandemic does that make sense or do yeah, you want to elaborate a little more? No, I think that's a really good question. I think it's an important point. You know, we are seeing people that have postponed um, screening procedures, uh, diagnostic procedures, things that, you know, you would have done every year. Like I'm still seeing patients that missed, you know, more than a year or two because they didn't want to come in because of COVID or their insurance lapsed or a variety of reasons. So, you know, one thing that we've, we've we tried to stress on every platform that I've been trying to that I'm available able to do is to get people back to doing their procedures. It's safe to get a mammogram. It's safe to get a colonoscopy. Go to your checkups. That's vital right now. Um, I've seen people who've, you know, put themselves on the back burner where they were really focusing on being their best self and healthy, you know, got overwhelmed by taking care of kids that were home and helping them with online schooling and working, you know, on their computer late into the night because they couldn't do it earlier because they had to make dinner. And, you know, all these things were going on. And so, you know, now, again, I think people need to repurpose and find that they are a priority. Their health is a priority and it can be done safely. Hospitals, doctor's offices are probably one of the safest places you can go mm -hmm. right now. So don't be scared to get back into that. But I think we have seen people that have postponed things and it's now time to catch up. What is the best thing that you did for your own mental health this year? Yeah, really good question. So um, for me, I know knowing that I did something for myself, like something every day was is vital. And um, when before I had Krish, I was a early morning runner, walk, whatever I would do, either something, walk outside, run on the treadmill. And with a new baby, mornings get to be a little tough. So I've had to find a time to get that cardio in because that is my Prozac, that endorphins, yes. that helps me so much. So, um, you know, again, trying to juggle that was always challenging, but I found the best time for me to do it was actually after I put him to bed, which is a little bit late and it's not for everybody because you do kind of get wired up, you get energetic after you exercise. Yeah. So to go to bed is kind of tough, but for me, it works. And what I found I enjoyed about that time is my parents are asleep. Chris is asleep. The house is quiet. I watch something on the TV that I want to, just that I want to, anything I want to, nobody else. Right. Uh, not PBS kids, <laughs> uh, not Nickelodeon Jr. And it, you know, it's, and I on the treadmill and the time goes by. And so that was what I love to do. 
Um, the other thing during the height of the pandemic, you're going to laugh, but you'll, I think everyone will appreciate this. Um, you know, I, we did all the shopping and obviously we did a lot of curbside and yeah. I, I, I just think into the grocery delivery. I like to pick my own stuff, but I know that worked for a lot of people. I did a lot of curbside stuff, but I would let myself go to the grocery store and I would go, you know, as I'd stretch it out as much as I could. I think I got it down to about every 10 days, right? Cause we, yeah. you know, trying to lower your risk. That we was the same thing, right? That was, that was about the riskiest thing I did for several Living months. Living on the edge. But Living, exactly. It was. It but was. It was. <laughs> so I would go to the store and it was like my one outing, except for going to the office, which, you know, was a whole different world. And I'd be like, my dad would call me. He's like, are you still at Kroger? And I'd be like, yes, I'm still at Kroger. <laughs> and I'd come home and he was like, you were at Kroger for a very long time. And I was like, you know, dad, I really was because I had to make sure I didn't forget anything. So I went up and down every, every aisle, aisle, even yes. the, even I don't have a pet or I went through the pet food aisle. I just, you know, it was like my time at the store. I got to like my outing. So that was, in a way it was kind of fun. It was like a normal thing that we got to do, right. and, but it was also very important to do. And you had to be very careful, make sure you don't forget anything because you sure didn't want to have to run back to the right. store. So, you know, it sounds silly, but yes, those outings were, yeah. <laughs> I think it's one of those things that you learn to appreciate. Like when you don't, it, you know, a lot of things were stripped away in the past year and a half. Yeah. And I think in some ways it, it makes you feel grateful for what you have, like the trips to the grocery store, like that, <laughs> you know what I mean? That being the height of excitement for 10 yeah. days is like, Something that two years ago we would have laughed. Like exactly. I'm not going to be excited to go to the grocery store. It's a chore. It's a chore, <laughs> and it is going to be interesting. I'm a little curious. This is a total side note, but I am really curious to know as we get older, like this generation of people who have been through the pandemic, how we're going to carry this with us. Like you know, parents who went through the Great Depression, like yeah. you know, with their money, and they're like, okay, they want to be really smart with money or, or yeah. saving, and you know, stockpiling and stuff like that. So how is that? Is that going to be like our thing? where we're just like, oh my gosh, my mom or my grandma, oh, she loves to go to the grocery store <laughs> yes. and it takes her three hours to just sitting there. But right. she like, you know what I mean? Because you're just you, soaking it in. Yep. And you remember those moments. That was your one trip out. Yeah. So yeah. And about the working like, out late at night thing, like I think there is something to, I work out at an obscene time in the morning, obscene, like 2.30 in the morning. But it's the time of day that I get in my schedule where it's just me. And I don't mean like necessarily like away from my kid, but even like from emails at work, like I don't have to have my phone attached to me. People aren't calling me. It's kind of like I have the world to myself for that hour. Like it's it's my world. And I think probably that's why you like the evening workouts because you know everybody's in bed. That's your time. Like it's your world for that minute. And I got to say, if you don't have a point in your day where it's your world, it is worth waking up 30 minutes for or going to bed 30 minutes late, even if you're doing nothing but sitting on your couch. And just quiet. I agree a hundred percent. And that's what I used to love the morning too. Cause then you're like, and I think that's a time where no one's calling you. No one needs Mm -hmm. you very much. Uh, and you, and that's just for yourself. And you started your day revving up your metabolism. You started your day doing something just for yourself, prioritizing yourself and your health, you know, and I think that's, you have more energy, a higher metabolism. So morning workouts are key. They're great. If you can do them, if you have a child like mine, that is mad. If he, if he doesn't see you when he, when he wakes up and he wakes up, <laughs> if he's not there and he crawls into bed with you a lot, 
mornings don't work for me anymore. As he gets older, <laughs> I'll probably go back to it. But you know, you're exactly right, Callie. I think that's that more than what you're doing, it's that time, you know, that you have to yourself. Again, whether it's exercising, whether it's reading, whether it's, you know, doing your nails for yourself, whether it's doing giving yourself a facial. I mean, whatever it is, but making that time for yourself, you can make the analogy. It's like putting your oxygen mask on first on an airplane, right? Because you take care of you so you can take care of everybody else. And I think we've tried to make that point to women for years. And I think it's even more so now that, you know, if mama's not well, the whole family falls apart. Yeah. So taking care of yourself is not selfish. It's actually one of the best things you can do for your family. It's like going to work on an hour or two of sleep. You know what I mean? Like you're not valuable to anybody. You right. know what I mean? You're, if not, you're not at your best. If you're not yeah. your best. You're not valuable to anyone around you, which is your whole goal. So you have to think at it logically. You know, I think at one point it was glorified to like, you know, work a million hours a day and work yourself to the bone. And I remember being in college thinking about how cool I thought it was if you could like pull an all-nighter, like people that pulled an all-nighter and drink coffee and stayed up all day. But like that's not good for you. And nope. it's not making you a functional human being. It's actually making you worse at what you're trying to accomplish. So there's no reward for burning yourself out. So don't do it. Like there's no, you know, Jeff had said in episodes like a while ago, like don't chase the wrong trophy. The trophy is oh, not statement. Yeah. working until you are just at your wits end. Yeah. It's taking time for yourself and knowing when to recharge and being self-aware yes. enough to say, one, I need help. Two, I need to recharge. And that makes you the best at everything else in your life. And I want to say one more thing while we're wrapping up this series, and that is just because we're talking about this right now as though things are kind of like, quote unquote, wrapping up with the pandemic, I don't want you to feel like you listening, to feel like this has to be the end of a mental health journey for you because I think what's going to happen is we're going to see a lot of people start to just decompress from the past year. So yes. I want to make a point that there is no shame in just now starting to say, okay, really, how do I feel right now? Really, am I okay? And if you are, great, but there is this is not the end of oh, I survived mental health. That's the end of the mental health journey for, or I survived COVID. This is the end of the mental health journey. For a lot of people, it's the beginning. So do not feel shame if you haven't gotten to explore your feelings right. on that yet, which is something that I think everybody should do because whether it was traumatizing for you or not, it's a lot to unpack and just sit in that for a moment and don't be, there is no, um, expiration date on mental health. There's no depreciation on your experience. Right. Like it yeah. doesn't get less important what you went through or what you've been through in your life. The longer it goes on, that doesn't make it less important. Um, it's still just as important. There is no depreciation. So I want to just put that out there because we're talking about kind yeah. of wrapping things up yeah. and loosens with the pandemic. But I think the mental health repercussions from that are are just starting. Absolutely. It's not a finite thing. And, you know, you're right. Some people may not have had the time or chance yet to, I like the term, to unpack it because there's still so much going on. And I think we're going to see things even continue. You know, this is going to be talked about and be part of our everyday lives for a very long time. So yeah, it is not a, the ending or it really, it's the start of a journey for a lot of people. Some people may not even start to take the trip. And, you know, and that brings up, that reminds me of one other thing that I think has really suffered in this pandemic, and that's our ability to um, vacation. 
you know? And that is where a lot of people found mental peace, recharging. We didn't get to do that. Mm -hmm. No one got a, not, no one got to go away. No one got a break, you know? And then, you know, working from home, home used to be sort of your refuge, but no, everything changed. So there's a lot of things that, that really we lost. And I know, you know, we were talking about this earlier and I know for me, one thing was, you know, my yoga studio closed and yoga for me was very important and was mm-hmm. loved doing it for mental health, for the meditation, for the flexibility, for all those things. And Zoom yoga for me just wasn't, Not didn't cut it. It wasn't the same. So I'm now trying to find a place to do that. So yeah, there's so many things that got taken away, you know, your alone time, your, um, your vacations, your girlfriend time, your, you know, exercise time. So many things got taken. It's a lot. It's a lot. And not all of that's come back. So you're right. The journey for finding mental peace and and exploring mental health is, is not a finite one. It continues. Thank you for listening to The Upside with Callie and Jeff. This episode was presented exclusively by Northside Hospital. We encourage you to share the message of this special episode on social media using the hashtag TalkAboutIt.